All right. It's good to see you today. Hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And uh, we're continuing our walk through the Old Testament uh, in chronological order. So we're kind of, we bounce uh, all over the place. I know that can kind of be confusing sometimes, but uh, it's just a a different way of of going through the Bible and trying to do it in a uh, chronological manner. Um, So today we're going to be reading in Ezekiel chapters 1 through 3. Uh, then we're going to be in Jeremiah um, 21 through 22 and Jeremiah 34. Uh, there's a couple other little little places, but I'll just I'll just read read them quickly. Um, so we are, you know, we've been following uh, along the history of the people. Um, now the the Northern Kingdom, uh, Israel has. You know, was taken by Assyria uh, years uh, before. Um, now we had the exile, and remember we talked about Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine, uh, where Jeremiah is uh, writes the letter to the exiles um, who are now in Babylon and telling them, you know, hey, get ready, it's going to be a while before you come back. Um, now, so now we're in this in-between time. So King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, has come and taken uh, exiles from Judah. Um, but he has not completely destroyed Jerusalem. The city still remains. Um, they, uh, King Zedekiah has been uh, put in into power. Um, and he's, his basic job is don't rebel against Babylon, but against Nebuchadnezzar. But what's he going to do? Of course, he's going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. And that will eventually lead to the destruction completely of Jerusalem. So during this time, you have Jeremiah, who is in Jerusalem, trying to tell uh, the the king Zedekiah and the people there, hey, this is you know this is just the beginning of of the payment uh, for our sin that we've been talking about. Now we have a new prophet introduced. His name is Ezekiel. Ezekiel was actually one of uh, was within the priestly class. So he was uh, a priest of some sort. Um, he was one of the people who was taken into exile. So he is now in Babylon. Um, so he is ta- speaking to the people of, of, uh, in the, the Jew- Jewish people there in, um, Babylon, uh, as well as to those back. And, and, Ezekiel is an interesting book. It has lots of visions, things like that. We're not going to get lost in the weeds there. It's fascinating. You can dive into uh, a lot of that and, and we'll hit some of it, but we're, we're we want to hit the, the main point. So the, the first part of Ezekiel's book is he's talking about uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. Then he's going to talk about the destruction of the other nations. And then at the end, he starts looking forward to the future um, of the reestablishment of Israel and, and everything being made right again. Um, and it's done through a series of different types of visions uh, that Ezekiel has. So, so this again, think of this as the in between time between the beginning of the exile, uh, to the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, so there's a, a period there where, uh, you know, the people are in exile, uh, but uh, Jerusalem is still functioning. Um, but that is, uh, not going to last too much longer. Um, 
So talking in Ezekiel chapter uh, one through three, encourage you to read those. Uh, chapter one has very, very much kind of, uh, uh, vision type uh, imagery here. You see there's a similarity in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember whenever Isaiah sees the little winged feature, uh, creatures, um, he, he sees them there. There's some similarities there. Uh, you see the, the creatures that uh, Ezekiel see uh, has uh, four faces. Um, yeah, kind of some interesting things. We're not going to get uh, all into that. Um, there's lots of symbolism here. Um, you know, talking about the the power of God. That God is all seeing. He's all knowing. He's over all of creation. Um, everything is beneath Him. Um, you know, so it, it's it's definitely elevating who God is. And interestingly, at the end of chapter one. Uh, verse 28, it says, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, uh, so surely uh, on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Right? So it, it's trying to describe something that is indescribable. And Ezekiel knows that he is in the presence of God. And what he is seeing is a reflection of God's glory. All right. So then you get into chapter two, and this is where uh, God is going to tell Ezekiel what his uh, uh, message is to be. So he st it starts off there at the uh, chapter two, or I guess it's technically the end of chapter one. It says, so when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of the one speaking. He said to me, son of man, stand on your feet. I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me uh, and set me on my feet. Okay. So, so again, this is, is I mean, Ezekiel is being filled with what we would call the Holy Spirit. He's being filled with the presence of God, with the glory of God. Um, it says, uh, I am sending you, this is verse 3, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nature, nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them and shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Now, this is this is interesting that God makes this clear, and he kind of repeats himself here uh, in these next uh, couple chapters. Um, okay, I'm sending you to give this message, um, but whether they hear or whether they refuse, um, it, it, it doesn't matter. This, you are supposed to share this message. The indication is kind of, yeah, they're probably not going to hear you. They're probably not going to listen, um, but... That doesn't mean Ezekiel is to give up or to stop. Um, he is supposed to continue to, to go and give that message because while the, the bulk of the people may not hear or repent, there will be some who will. So uh, verse 8 says, uh, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Right? So he that's important because Ezekiel is actually part of that priestly class. He may, you know, he's probably, I'm sure he's heard of Jeremiah. He may have, this is interesting to think about, he may have disagreed with Jeremiah, right? He may not have liked Jeremiah's message, um, but now all of a sudden he's getting the same message. Um, and so God says, do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Uh, now, when I looked up, 
there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of the book was uh, was in it. And he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Right? So it's the word of God, the 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 difficult word of God, the tough word of God, the complete word of God. And uh, uh, chapter three said to me, son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And it's interesting. Again, this is imagery. This is what, and it's very symbolic of the, the word of the Lord being uh, instilled in Ezekiel. And now he is supposed to go and in a sense, regurgitate that. That word, right? He's supposed to to share that that word. Now, and, and this is interesting. They were lamentations, mourning, and woe is what was written on the scroll. And it says, and yet, and, and he said to me, "Son of man, feed your belly, fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you." So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Right. So you know, it's it, that's it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition there uh, between this scroll being filled with lamentations and woe, um, but yet it tastes sweet as as honey. Um, because God's message uh, ultimately is always designed to bring goodness, right? The reason that the people are going to suffer is because they have moved away from God and they have not been uh, moving uh, towards righteousness. They have been moving away from righteousness. If you move towards evil, you are going to experience woe and lamentation. If you move towards good, you will experience sweetness. And, uh, and, that's kind of the image that we have here so that even even though God is delivering this and Ezekiel is delivering this message that is not going to be easy to hear and people are not going to like what he says, uh, it is God's message and it's a message that tastes sweet to Ezekiel, uh, even though it's a harsh and a hard message. So he goes on, uh, says uh, he's supposed to um, preach to the house of Israel, uh, not to people of unfamiliar speak and uh, unfamiliar speech and of hard language, those whose words uh, you cannot understand. So he says, yeah, I'm sending you to the people that are your people. Right? They're going to hear you. You're one of them. They're part of you. Um, it's it's not a it's not like I'm sending you to somewhere uh, that doesn't understand you, doesn't speak your language. I'm sending you to your own people. But then this is interesting. It says surely uh, this is verse six. Surely had I sent you to them, talking about the people who don't speak the language. So this would be like going to a foreign country or people who didn't know about God. So he's saying this to Ezekiel. Had I sent you to them. Uh, they would understand and they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me for all the house of Israel are important, are impudent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, your forehead strong against their foreheads, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. This is just really interesting. One thing my wife said whenever we were looking at coming to start a church, um, it, it was a daunting 
thought and she was like you know i think it, it may be easier to to go to, to africa and to to share the word of god there rather than go to a people who have heard the word of god and who have chosen uh to go a different way um right and 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 it in many ways it is more difficult and that's what ezekiel and jeremiah are being called to do they're supposed to go to this group of people who know who god is but basically have just kind of Put him aside. And and I, I like the illustration there of Ezekiel saying it's gonna be like you you're you're gonna be headbutting them, but I'm going to strengthen your forehead, right? Because it's just sometimes it is like beating your head against the wall, trying to convince them, uh, you know, trying to convince the people that they need to turn back to God. Because they they'll come up with all kinds of excuses, right? Oh, well, we know that God loves us. We already know who God is. Uh what do you mean uh we need to, to to do this the other other nations live uh you know however they want and look how powerful they are right all of these things and they're taken for granted and they they have forgotten who god truly is and what who got what god has called them to do and and so ezekiel um is <laughs> he knows his work is cut out for him says uh, uh he, he continues uh, on and and God, again, reminds him there's going to be people who listen. There are those who will not. Um, uh, talking about Ezekiel as a watchman uh, down in verse 17, says, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning, nor speak to the wa- to warn the wicked from the wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. And then he says again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, but his righteousness, which has done, uh, shall, uh, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man, and the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. So basically, this is kind of a motivation to Ezekiel that you're going to, and I think it's probably because of why, why do we need motivation? It's because when we're doing something difficult, when we're doing something that we're eventually not going to want to do, right? We need to be motivated to continue to do that. And God is telling Ezekiel, listen, I'm giving you this message. It is important that you share this message uh, because for 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 your soul, uh, if you don't do what I say, if, if people die because they didn't hear this message because you're not giving it, uh, well, you know what? You're kind of responsible for that. Um, you know, that, that's a... It's a pretty tough motivation, um, but but this is again a very specific time, very specific thing that Ezekiel was being called to do, and I think God was just making it very clear, Ezekiel, you have a job to do, and you need to share this message uh, with these people, and then if you share the message and they don't pay attention, well, you know what, it's on them, um, but you make sure you share the message I've given you. All right, so that that's going to stop in Ezekiel for today. Um, but uh, I, so now we are again we're in this in between time. 
um, between the exile has already begun, but Jerusalem has not been destroyed yet. So God is still speaking to the people. Um, they have an opportunity to, to hear him. Um, just real quick, Second Kings 24, uh, verse 20, um, kind of talks about this transition. It says, for because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem, Judah, that he finally cast them out from his presence, uh, talking about the exile. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. All right, so now Zedekiah, he is starting to rebel. Um, it says, so the city, talking about Jerusalem, was besieged until the 11th year of King Zedekiah, um, and uh, there was no food for the people in the land. Jeremiah 52, 3 through 6 uh, reiterates this, for because the anger of the Lord has happened, then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, um, and then Jerusalem uh, was uh, under siege. All right, so this is uh, the fall of Jerusalem is now beginning to happen. Uh, Jeremiah 21 and 22. Um, Jeremiah is talking and communication with King Zedekiah, trying to encourage him, hey, Jerusalem's going to fall. Um, you know, be smart about this. Um, says uh, Jeremiah, uh, or, uh, excuse me, Zedekiah and, and chapter 21, um, sent for Jeremiah, and he says, perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works that the king may go away from us, right? So King uh, Zedekiah is hoping that God is going to, to intervene. Um, verse 8 says, now you shall say this to the people, this is God's answer through Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who re remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans or the Babylonians who besieges you, he shall live, and his life shall be as a prize to him. For I have set my face against this city for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. Right? So the... The outcome is determined. God is going to continue this because the people have rebelled against him. And Zedekiah, is, he's, he's hoping um, that God would change his mind. But Jeremiah continues to say, no, uh, it's, it's too late. Uh, chapter 22, uh, the Lord says, uh, uh, verse 3, thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and delivered the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place. For if you indeed do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house, uh, riding on horses and chariots accompanied by servants and people, king who sits on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. So uh, it, I started a little bit too late. The very beginning of 22 says, that, thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and there speak this word. Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants, your people who enter these gates. So then he, he says all of that, that you should uh, um Deliver the plunder out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong. Do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, or shed innocent blood. Um, right. So he's telling the people, this is what you need to start doing. You need to start living um, uh, dif differently. Uh, but 
he knows that's not going to happen. And he knows that it, it's, it's too late anyway for them to be saved uh, from this. They are going to have to endure this defeat. Um, chapter 34, 30, 34 of Jeremiah. Um, you have Jeremiah again continuing to uh, speak with Zedekiah. Um, says, uh, go and speak to Zedekiah, king, this is verse 2, uh, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. You shall not escape from his hand, but surely shall be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of king of Babylon. He shall speak with you face to face. You shall go to Babylon. Um, so again, saying that you are going to uh, endure this defeat. Jeremiah 34, verses 8 through 22 are very interesting. I encourage you to really read those. Um, it's kind of a little bit of a change of pace. All of a sudden, it's talking about uh, slaves or indentured servants. Um, as we read this, whenever you hear the word slave, don't think of slavery exactly the way that, that we normally would. Um, slavery was a little bit different there. That It was still ugly. There was still places where it was very ugly. But what we're talking about here is, is more of an indentured servanthood where people have sold themselves uh, into slavery many times, or it was a uh, result of criminal behavior. There's some different, different ways that that happened. Uh, but it's still, it was difficult, right? You were uh, uh, under the authority of someone else. Um, but if you remember back uh, in you know Exodus and uh, during during the time where God is giving the law, He had said the slave should be set free every seven years. Um, well, Zedekiah decides he's going to do that. And he's trying anything he can. Well, maybe if we be righteous now, um, it'll let us off the hook. Um, and this kind of has uh, has a, a little bit of what one of the things Zedekiah tried, and he just made things worse. But it says in verse 8, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Uh, Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them that every man should set free his male and female slaves and Hebrew man or woman, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. Now, when all the princes and the people had entered into the covenant, I heard that everyone should set free his male, female slaves, that no one should keep them in bondage. They obeyed and they let them go. But then afterwards, they changed their minds, made the male and female slaves return. <laughs> right? So they, they set them free for a while, and they were like, eh, eh, this is too much trouble. Uh, we'll bring them all back. Uh, so this is God uh, responding to Zedekiah doing that. Um, it says, uh, I made a covenant with your fathers that when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, saying at the end of every seven years, uh, set free the he Hebrew brother who has been sold to him. And when he has served to you six years, you shall let him go free. But your fathers did not obey me, nor incline their ear. Then you recently turned and did what was right in my sight, every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor. And you made a covenant before me in the house, which is called by my name. And every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom you had set liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjugation to be your male and female slaves. You have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother and every one to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, to the sword, pestilence, and to famine. I will deliver you to trouble among the kingdoms of the earth. Right. And, uh, so I, I love this because it does talk about God's desire for liberty, um, that he 
uh, had created a system to set people free, but the people refused to do that. Zedekiah tries to use that maybe to get on God's good side, but then they realize, eh, we're not we're not going to, it's not worth the the hassle. Uh, but I love this because, you know, it's so easy just to say, oh, well, there was slavery in, in the Bible. Um, well, there was slavery before the Bible started to be written, right? That's been part of uh, the human experience, unfortunately, from the beginning. Uh, the Bible is the reason that slavery is finally looked upon as something horrible, right? Because God is a God of liberty and he's proclaiming liberty uh, to the slaves. And and this is kind of a, just an interesting uh, little section in here uh, that just reminds us uh, that we do serve a God uh, of liberty. All right, so on Thursday, um, encourage you to read Jeremiah 46, also Jeremiah 37 and 30, or, well, Jeremiah 30 through 33, and Jeremiah 37 and 38. All right, so we will go through those uh, passages. That's again Jeremiah 46, Jeremiah 30 through 33, and Jeremiah 37 and 38 for Thursday. We'll see you then.